Welcome everyone, we're about to begin Be'ezus Hashem, Shalom Bayez, Shir number 406. The Chazal tell us, Lo'olam ye'yodam rach kekona va'al ye'yakosha ke'erez. One should be soft and flexible like a reed, and not stiff and unyielding and tough like a cedar. For marriage to succeed, both husband and wife need to learn to overcome their egos, overcome their personal interests, and allow themselves to bend and not be inflexible. And don't look around all the time to see if you're getting everything you expected in the marriage. Um, Don't look around all the time to think of how you envisioned what you should get from this marriage. Or asking yourself, am I getting what I all of that I bargained for? Do others get more than I get? Did I get the best deal? How can I gain more now that I am married? Is my life as fulfilled as I, as I hope to be? And so on and so forth. Instead, we need to change that script, to change that outlook, and to ask the question in the reverse way. Is my spouse, my husband or my wife, getting what he or she is hoping for? Am I being a dedicated husband or a dedicated wife? What else should I be doing to make my spouse's life better, to make him or her feel better. Rabbi Manis Mendel, in one of his books, wrote that there is never a reason or justification for being so wrapped up in your own sense of self-importance that you exclude your family, your neighbors, your people, or your creator from your mind, heart, and life. It is natural. We talk a lot about self-esteem. This is not a contradiction of self-esteem where a person needs to know he has a soul and feel good about that and realize Hashem is empowering you to do wonderful things, but not in the ego sense, always for the purpose of giving others. Ironically, when you give to others and you think about others, you yourself become more happy and more fulfilled. The Gemara, when it talks about the halachas of Saita, right? What's the halachas of Saita? A woman is suspected of being unfaithful. And, and then it talks about, right after that parsha, Matnas Kahuna, about giving gifts to Kohanim. And why? So Rashi explains that this teaches us that if a person doesn't bring a Kayan, the donations that he's required by the Torah to give to the Kayan, he will end up having to go to the Kayan anyway with his wife, whom he suspects of being a Saita. And the idea behind this is, is that a person who does not share his wealth with a Kayan has a selfish aspect to them, a certain self-centeredness with regard to the Kayan. So if this person is self-centered in regards to the Kayan, not giving him the gifts that the Torah requires, he will certainly be selfish in regard to his wife. And when a woman feels abandoned and feels neglected because her husband focused only on his interests, she becomes more vulnerable to be nechshel in these inyanim. Again, there's no excuses, of course. And it goes both ways, husbands and wives. There's many, many reasons when the other feels, when the other is mistreating them to feel abandoned and the Yetzirah tries to have you run away and do things that you shouldn't do. 
So one has to be careful and not do that and focus on being strong and working on the marriage itself. But a person does need to understand this idea that the self-centeredness or selfishness causes a husband and a wife to drift apart from one another. And this ego, which is the haughtiness, it says that Einanivahu Yachalader Yachtav, that he, Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and, 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 and uh, you know, the Hakadosh Baruch Hu is saying that he, this person and I can't live together. Anova is a tremendous maila, like the Rambam Ramban says in his Igeres, that it's the greatest quality of all the qualities that you can acquire. And without humility, without a true humbleness, it's not possible to have a genuine, deep relationship. Like Hill Azokin said, don't do to others what you wouldn't want done to you. Rabbi Akiva says, What does it mean, Kamaycha? means that just like you want people to provide for your needs, you should seek to please others and to fulfill their needs. And if it applies to a neighbor, to a friend, how much more so does it apply to your own husband, to your own wife? To find out what his or her needs are and do your best to provide it for them. And if you apply this concept of a hafta l'reyacha kamaycha to your spouse, then he or she will automatically receive the attention that they are seeking, the affection. She will receive the love that she craves, the love that she needs. But a person who is arrogant is unable to do so, cannot step outside of himself to analyze and even think of what his spouse needs and then willingly giving it to her. The muscle behind this is like two people pulling on a rope in different directions. Eventually the rope will tear. And that's what happens in a relationship when each person is focused only on his or her ego, on his or her agenda, they're pulling rope in a different direction and it will break, it will snap. And what happens a lot is, is if one spouse only puts in the minimum uh, minimum effort necessary to function and that's all, the other one will... Also, only put in the minimum effort. Now, they may have a marriage, it may continue, but it won't be emotionally satisfying or psychologically satisfying or spiritually satisfying. It'll probably be stagnant and monotonous if each one decides, oh, I'll just do a bedievet, I'll just do the bare minimum of what I need to do. And if your spouse, husband or wife, you know, if, if they have no interest in me, and if they have no interest in my life or my needs or my concerns or not concerned about my worries or my issues or my stresses, then how can we have a real relationship? Yes, we can live together. Yes, we may even go on vacations and go to simchas together, have some nice moments here and there, but that's not a real ideal marriage. When a couple views themselves as two entities, then each one is seeking his or own own fulfillment, then the marriage won't have a kiyum. It's a hundred percent. Each one needs to be invested or the effort is to be there a hundred percent. So that is very important, Yesai, that the love needs to be nurtured in a soft, flexible, gentle way with suspending your ego and haughtiness and thinking and truly caring about the needs of the other.
And to re- be aware also, what the problem is, again, like we spoke about many times in Shalom Bayes, is that very often your spouse may not be aware that you have different needs. Sometimes it's a situation, for example, um, just give an example, the, that the wife is complaining that they never go out at night. And the husband says, you know, you're right. So why don't you plan an evening so we can go out and just tell me when and we'll go out. Some weeks went by and the wife again complained, we haven't gone out. And the husband says, yes, it's true, but we agreed that you were going to arrange it and tell me. And the wife explains, it's important to me, you know, if it's important to me, it needs to be important to you. So why don't you take the initiative? So a week later, the husband took, got the message, called his wife from work and said, let's go out tonight. I'll arrange it. And she says, great idea. And then after putting the children to sleep, the husband turns to his wife and says, are you ready to go out? And the wife says, no, you know, I'm a little tired, but if you want, we can go out. And the husband was like puzzled. Doesn't make sense. First, she says, we never go out. And now I say, I'm willing to go out and I initiate it and prepare for it. And she insists I arrange it and I do arrange it and we end up staying home. And the explanation behind this is, in this particular instance, is that your wife was really saying, I don't feel that I'm a priority in your life because we don't go out at night. And you found a solution. But she wasn't looking for a solution. She was looking for an expression from you that you were thinking about her. And when you arranged to go out, the reason she declined is because she saw that your arranging to go out confirmed that she was important in your eyes. And after that, she didn't feel the need to leave the house. Now, not every situation is like that. Sometimes the wife truly wants to go out of the house and have that date out together and that nice you know, restaurant and so on and so forth. So then you both go out. But a lot of times... You know, the need to do specific things is the the underlying emotion and feeling behind it is because you feel neglected or that you your your spouse, you know, that you're not important in your spouse's eyes and you feel rejected about it. And that's so, so important. You know, a, a, a wife could get very anxious because she's being ignored or taken for granted or criticized. But the key is sometimes just giving an example on the wife's side, which if she thinks and she understands, my husband doesn't intend to hurt my feelings. It's just that his communication skills are undeveloped. And I will tell you all that this is truly the crux of most of the issues when a husband seems insensitive. Sometimes they are indeed insensitive and they need to work on it, no question about it. Very often they are good, they are kind and generally considerate but their communication skill is underdeveloped. And it's not lahachas. It's not, he he in no way wants to hurt your feelings. Now, of course, he should learn those skills. But when a wife understands that, then she's calm about it. She doesn't feel so hurt about it. And after things calm down, she could communicate to her husband what she felt took place, um... And by speaking to him calmly and honestly, she will most likely get a positive response from her husband who will try to fix the situation. Same thing with the husband. To appreciate that his wife is a totally different person than he is. She is wired generally with a greater emotional need 
and is more sensitive when she feels she's taken for granted. She is more sensitive and gets more hurt easily when she feels and senses that she's not the highest priority in her husband's life. So a husband also needs to understand that, that instead of getting defensive when she gets upset at him or questions him or criticizes his behavior, when he realizes what's behind it and instead expresses empathy for her with kind words, with affection, he could resolve the issue in a tremendously beautiful way. So that is really the idea, is to go behind those words or those emotions and realize what the deep need is and try to fill it and to be honest about each other's feelings and needs. And when you do that, there is generally a real willingness to want to make each other feel better, to make each other feel safe and warm and cherished and loved. One needs to also realize that the tachlis of marriage, you know, technically speaking, you could have companionship, friendship, relations, and children, and support, and all these, without the formal marriage. But the idea behind the panemius of why we get married, the bottom line is, is it's a commandment, and Hashem wants marriage. Hashem wants marriage. It's not just a nice idea. HaKadosh Baruch Hu's is for us to be married. And once you realize it's a Ratzon Hashem, you know, then you don't marry because it's optional or it's a nice idea so that if things don't go as smooth as you want, you simply, you know, end the marriage. No. Your decision to marry is based on the goal of fulfilling HaKadosh Baruch Hu's plan. And you see whether he agrees. So in, even in some situations, it shouldn't happen to anyone when a divorce is necessary. The idea behind the divorce also, when you ask the Rabbanim and you ask advice and you're told and that this is the way it has to be, is that it is the Ratzon Hashem at this point that the relationship should end in those situations. The idea that the Gemara says that the Mizbeach cries when a couple divorces, we see from there the greater picture of things. It's not just about me and my wants and my interests. It's the bigger plan and role in the world. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a role in the world when in the marriage that he takes very seriously. The Raya that he takes very seriously is the very fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu allows his name to be erased in the water of the Mesaita in order to promote Shalom Bayis, like, like, like the Chazal explains in Vayikar um, and, and in that, on that Parsha, that he's willing to forgo his own honor in order to sustain and keep a marriage. It's so, so important. And when a person has that tachlis in mind, and they realize that marriage is what Hashem wants from you, it's, it's, it's His plan, it's Ratz and Hashem, then it will be easier, you know, to go and get go beyond your differences because you have a higher goal. You have a mission that binds you, that sometimes you could, you could go opposite your nature for that purpose for the higher purpose and goal that you have, despite your natural differences between one another. When you realize your union is divine, that your marriage is sacred, 
then you could overcome those odds and it will endure, it will succeed. That is this idea of the Ish and Isha, right? That without the Shechina, there's an Ish, a fire that could destroy. But with the Yud and the Man and the Hay and the Isha, that's Hashem's name and He's in the relationship. And then there is harmony there, there's the Shechina there. And so on and so forth. To remember this point, that two people may love and care for each other, but without that divine force, what is to bond them, the human beings, in an eternal way? Such a bond is necessary because besides being two strangers with different personalities and backgrounds, a man and woman also differ biologically and emotionally and psychologically and will undergo many transitions in their lives. Therefore, the way to sustain their marriage is to realize that Hashem wants it and he wants his presence there. And when Hashem becomes an integral part of a married life, it will be much, much easier to achieve marital harmony and peace and shalom. Bracha and atzlacha.